Phoenix Suns Media Day is in the books and we're all ready for Suns basketball. On today's episode of Locked on Suns, my three key takeaways from covering Media Day live from the Footprint Center, including Devin Booker, Frank Vogel, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, yes, and more. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. After Suns Media Day, happy Monday evening, Tuesday morning. We're free and available everywhere, so if you're not done so already, hit follow, hit subscribe. Get this show in your feed Monday through Friday from now through the rest of time. Become an everydayer. Get locked onto the Suns right along with me throughout what should be an awesome season. And I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not pumping this thing up and just drinking the Media Day Kool-Aid and hype machine and all that. I am thrilled. I'm like already uh, pumped for Sunday when the Suns play their first preseason game. And so we will talk about the uh, narrative side of things, the quotables and all that today. But uh, man, I'm today really my biggest takeaway is that I'm excited to watch this team play because I think it's going to be awesome and fun and, and creative and, and competitive. But I also think it's going to be a lot of experimentation and, and change and guys just needing to be adapting and us seeing new stuff every night. And, and we'll get to that with the Frank Vogel, the nerdy Frank Vogel, as uh, as Kevin Durant called it, uh, on an interview with Arizona Sports. But that'll be segment number two. We'll talk about Aiton to close the show because I didn't want to start there. Where I want to start is the, is Devin Booker, okay? Um, because I, I think I've I've said it enough times at this point, but it was we were all reminded of it today, right? This is Devin Booker's team. This is Devin Booker's organization. You know, he is the guy. He's on a Supermax contract. He's getting a signature shoe. He has all sorts of records and youngest to do this, first to do that, this top three in the Suns record books, that top five in the Suns record books, and and on and on. But bigger and beyond that, right, this is the guy that none of this is possible without. And I know I've done this spiel too, but again, I'll get to the media day specifics, but because I know there's a lot of new people, and I know that there's some of you who, uh, maybe you're Bosnian uh, from Yusuf Nurkic coming to town, or perhaps you are a Kevin Durant stan, or perhaps you are a, uh, you know, what's the phrase, something come lately, uh, that is just now getting into the Suns. And that's all fine. I'm happy you guys are here, but... I think that you could make a credible claim that uh, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal is one thing as far as coming to the Suns, wanting to come to the Suns, asking and selecting the Phoenix franchise to be the one that they came to. That doesn't happen without Booker. But I think that's sort of obvious. I mean, duh, right? Like uh, Kevin Durant knew that there was a lot of change that was going to come when, when he was traded for and that there was a decent likelihood more came after that. Does this franchise go for $4 billion without Devin Booker? Does 
the arena renovations under Robert Sarver, like all these different things because of the momentum that Booker allowed this franchise to to get swept up in because of, of how uh, loyal he is and how great he is, right? There you go. There's the there's the prefacing. But what we heard from Media Day today was a doubling down on that. And this, to me, because Super Team got thrown around a lot today and, you know, this seems going to be talked about a lot all year for that reason. We have never seen a super team like this in the history of the NBA. Ever. Now, that phrase is really only 16 years old since, you know, the Boston Celtics traded for Garnett and Allen. But there is no precedent for this type of situation where a young superstar entering his prime, who is about to turn 27 at the end of this month, is not only the best player on a team like this, but the unequivocal number one option and culture setter and leader, I think, in a lot of ways, of a super team. That's never happened, ever. Like, you almost have to go back. The the closest comparison that I honestly kept circling back to in my mind was the was Magic Johnson with the Lakers, you know? But even then, you know, it was Kareem and, and that adjustment, so that's, you know, probably like the Durant parallel. And guys like Norm Nixon and others who had to adjust, but, you know, by the middle of that decade, it's, it's James Worthy who's already younger than Magic, and even that one is imperfect. But in this modern era especially, that's never happened before. And so you had Bradley Beal talking uh, in, a, in a way that felt like what we heard a lot from Chris Paul as far as, you know, Beal expressing that he was looking forward to coaxing and encouraging and, and just, in, you know, being a, a positive part of Booker's continued development, but not in this paternalistic, like, you know, take it from me, kid. It wasn't that. This from Beal today was like he's going to get better because he has better teammates and I hope to be one of those, right? Like that was the vibe. That was the tone. And Bradley Beal is three years older than Devin Booker, right? He's been in the league a lot more. He's accumulated more, you know, statistical production and all this stuff. He he hasn't had the winning and, and I understand as a, follower of the NBA why there's a little bit of that deference from Beal to Booker but that doesn't make it any less noteworthy and then of course the Durant side of it I think it's it's it, it shouldn't be ignored the humility that it it takes for Durant and of course like the dude we we all talked after the Denver series and the playoff run in general of like all right he's had two kind of iffy postseasons as far as three-point shooting and turnovers and things like that like what's up here and he's still putting up like 30, 10, and 5, you know, so it's not like, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying like Kevin Durant's going to be the old man version of Kareem we saw in like the, you know, 87 finals or something, but it, it's still impressive to see him in, in what is still Durant's late prime, just kind of fully acknowledge that, that it, it's at least a 1A and a 1B, if not 1 and 2 here for, for Booker and Durant, and I don't mean that to cause problems or to be any sort of not that I'm powerful enough to cause any kind of problem. That sounded very cocky of me, but I'm not even saying it to to be 
take uh, heavy or, or like throw something out there. I, I just think it, it kind of is what I'm observing here. These guys are also incredibly close. And that's the other part that jumped out when you're talking about Booker and Durant. And I think part of why I feel like there's a comfort level in uh, Durant deferring to Booker publicly and, and just kind of allowing that, that hierarchy to take shape is one in their first postseason together, Devin Booker played like freaking Will Chamberlain. So that helps. But at the same time, I don't think Durant has ever had a teammate that he related to and connected with the same way that he does with Devin Booker. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be some sort of Kevin Durant historian here, but the, the guy has been incredibly famous the whole time I've been following the NBA. So I, I, I'd like to think I have a pretty good idea. And even if you don't, and I don't, I don't think that him and Russell Westbrook hate each other. I don't think that him and Draymond Green hate each other. I definitely don't think him and Steph Curry have any issues with one another. And I would say Kyrie, uh, they're still close uh, for all we know. And and Harden, I think it was more of a friction with Kyrie and James Harden being James Harden thing than it was uh, any sort of tension between Durant and Harden. So I'm not even saying that to say that Durant has like burned all these bridges. I just genuinely uh, listening to and seeing on social media and their own social media channels how often and and how often they're together, how much they seem to vibe with one another and actually genuinely like one another. And it feels new. And so I, I would imagine that goes a, a heck of a long way when you're trying to gel as teammates, gel as as men, and also just do it quickly. Because the reality is this team is probably the biggest thing it's fighting against right now is is that chemistry. So Booker is that dude. This is his everything. And it feels like that is already understood from the jump. There will not have to be a players only meeting or some sort of high profile loss or a locker room blow up or anything in order for that to just be understood. And that that matters, especially on teams like this. Let's pivot to Frank Vogel and another quote from Kevin Durant about the nerdiness of Frank Vogel, which Durant said in a very positive way, and we heard a lot of details about what that could look like and what it'll mean for the season today at Media Day, so I'll break that down next. First, today's show brought to you by Ibotta. The weather is getting cooler, finally, here in the Valley, and that means it's time to stock your closet with winter clothes. And with Ibotta, you can get cash back on winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and more for your whole family. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. Easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 back per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use the cash back to buy the flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps gives you points. That don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out straight to your bank account or your PayPal account or gift cards. Places like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to start earning real cash back now. Again, App Store, Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, use the code LOCKED, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, promo code LOCKED. Keeping it rolling, let's talk Frank Vogel. I told, uh, we talked with Brandon on Monday's show about the things we were most excited to see and hear and, and learn about. And I said Vogel and his comments on the defense was, was first and foremost, as well as the lineups. 
And it wasn't just Frank Vogel who discussed this, so I think it's worth talking about and following up on here. But before we get to that, uh, Frank, uh, Kevin Durant gave an interview about Vogel. Well, he gave an interview about a lot of things to Arizona Sports right before he came on stage, and Vogel is one of the things that they hit. And he told uh, the hosts that they have been in the gym already for a few weeks now, you know, not the NBA, the league teams. Nobody can require players to be back, but we know a lot of teams start to trickle, players start to trickle back in after Labor Day, and it sounds like the Suns were no exception to that, and that Vogel has been pretty hands-on during that, those open runs, you know, and, and Booker referenced it as like trying to add some structure, and he kind of chuckled like, come on, coach, but it seems like it's been well-received. And the nerdy part, Durant said he was just kind of thinking to himself uh, after experiencing that kind of coaching from Vogel for the first time during some of these workouts and stuff uh, that he like he said, I like nerds and like same Kevin, like agreed me too. It's uh, people you can learn from. Right. And I think like there's almost this thing with the way that NBA players have become such big celebrities and I won't go on too big of a tangent here, but where we just assume that they don't get along with their coaches, like almost all the time, like whether it's real or not, uh, whether there's actually evidence of it, Maybe it's like the old white dude and the and the younger you know uh, black guys. I don't know. I it maybe it's we just think all NBA players are always upset these days. Not really true either. I don't know what it is, but it it's a funny dynamic that I don't really actually think is is valid because I think a lot of NBA coaches do a really good job connecting with these guys, no matter how big the age difference or the 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 personality difference or anything might be. And I think players respond to that type of nerdiness, like straight up. And what we heard that kind of manifested as today was a lot about the defense, the attention to detail, and the lineups. You know, and what was interesting to me too is it wasn't just some of those anecdotes from Durant or Booker or the people who have already been in the gym, which... Admittedly, there wasn't a lot to pull from there because real training camp will start on Tuesday. But uh, separately from that, there was also just the fact of the reputation that that Vogel has developed. And it it sounds like a lot of players were drawn to that or are once they found out they were going to be here in the case of somebody like Grayson Allen, who commented on this stuff, just it excited them, you know. And Vogel himself I think that he spoke in a way that I expected him to, frankly, pun intended, frankly. Uh, he he talked about something similar to what I said, you know, with the learning curve that we've seen Vogel demonstrate to us over the course of his career, right? He was asked a question about what he can learn from the Lakers. But he went even back further and with Orlando, which is a point that I've made repeatedly, people just gloss over the fact that he ever coached there as if there's nothing to like glean from that. There is. He said, I learned how to adapt my defensive scheme. That's huge. I mean, this is a guy who's known for his, his defense and he went to a team with less defensively inclined personnel and made it work. Like you might hate to hear this guys, but as far as what Vogel's working with from a a pedigree, a defensive pedigree standpoint. Like we all know Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are, are good to great defenders when they're locked in, but that's a different kind of thing. And you're not going to want them to do that all the time. Aside from those two, 
Vogel, what he's working with here in Phoenix is probably closer to what he was working with, uh, especially after this Aiton trade in Orlando than anything else. I don't know if that's disrespectful, but it is kind of true just in terms of the uncertainty and the lack of overwhelming defensive talent. I mean, in, the, in his other two stops, this guy had Roy Hibbert and, and Anthony Davis, who are like two generation-defining defensive players. And so Vogel highlighted that. And then in the Lakers side of it, he said that he learned uh, about adapting to the modern NBA. And he that didn't mean the personality side because he, he separated and distinguished. You know, working with superstars and celebrity players was a learning thing too, but also adapting to the modern NBA. And like, if you just compare what Vogel was doing uh, on both ends of the court, but I, let's say especially on the defensive end from Indiana to, to Los Angeles, like you're talking about two different galaxies of, of scheme. And so I think that is going to play itself out. And he was asked about, you know, your the roster, what do you think, can the defense work, whatever. He said, we have the potential to be a great defense. The roster is more offensively inclined, but he he basically made a commitment day one. Like, we're going to be more prepared, schemed up better, and higher IQ defense than every opponent we face. And that's that's him pumping himself up, and I honestly don't mind it at all. Like, I just you know, go off like that. That's probably true. So why not say it? And it's going to have to be the case if the Suns are going to compete on that end. The last part of this, though, when it comes to Vogel and how he sees things, how he operates, the more we're learning about that as as the Monty Williams era is over now, is this collaborative environment that we've seen and heard about from the brain trust of the team. And I'll get into more of this to close out the show because we heard some details of the Suns' own views of the Aiton trade today, but we also heard from Aiton in Portland, and I watched through that, and there was uh, one moment that was particularly interesting. But as far as the Suns' side and as far as keeping the Aiton specifics out of it for just a moment here, the collaborative environment that this team is operating with I think has to leave Suns fans optimistic until we see any reason to doubt it. I get why meddling owner has a bad reputation. I do think that there is a certain point where it can backfire. It might backfire with this Nurkic thing and and the Grayson Allen Nurkic little trade. It might. Like I'm not here to tell you it won't. There will be a moment where we'll probably feel like Matt Ishbia pressed one too many buttons. But right now, I think that they are not blowing smoke when they say that the decision makers on this team in large part are Aiton, uh, Aiton, James Jones, Matt Ishbia, Josh Bartlestein, who is the president and CEO of the team, obviously a son of a significant NBA agent and somebody who worked in both basketball and business for the Detroit Pistons. It, you're going to gonna find it, going to have to look elsewhere to find somebody to argue with that threesome being a, a pretty powerful decision-making nucleus, even if Bartlestein and Jones are relatively young compared to, like, Pat Riley or something. But it's smart, and, and it's it's worked out well for them so far. And you combine that in with somebody like Ryan Resch, who has been in this front office dating back to Ryan McDonough um, and has grown and, and, and increased his role, and you'll see his name in, in Woj stories and whatnot. People like Trevor Buckstein on the on the scout or the cap side of things who has been here for 
decades, literally. And I would even add Frank Vogel in there to wrap up the Vogel segment. He, his name was dropped there too. I would say the, the main brain trust is Bartlestein, Jones, and Ishbia. But I would think those other names that I just listed are, are, are kind of the secondary group of, of minds who are coming together on this stuff. And when they're able to execute at the level that they have and they have the financial green light that Ishbia has been able to give them, you know, you go out and get Bradley Beal, you go out and get Kevin Durant, you sign a lot of great value minimum deals, and you get a trade done for DeAndre Ayton that has the potential to work out in a in a way that's much better than like the Dallas offer or whatever was out there in, in the sign and trade market last summer. And look, I'm going to believe in it for now, you know? And if nothing else, like you can swing and miss on stuff. I think most NBA fan bases, most sports fans would take a a brain trust that works well together, has an aligned vision, and gets and executes the vision more so, even if it fails at times, than one that is dealing with infighting or a truly bad owner who makes poor decisions and doesn't get along well with people and just can't get out of its own way. I'll take the first thing 10 times out of 10, even if certain moves do come back to haunt them or bite them. That happens. But I I think you can't help but like what you heard. It's just a continuation of what we've been hearing, but nevertheless positive and and everyone had the same great things to say about working with one another. Like, what else can you ask for at the end of the day? And and I think, in, again, until proven otherwise, you're getting straight A's from me. Let's close things out on the Aiton topic. I know it is time to close that book, turn that page, whatever metaphor related to, uh, you know, books and pages and letters that you want to use. But nevertheless... We have to talk about it because it was a big topic of conversation at Media Day in Phoenix as well as Portland. We'll do that after one more quick break. Closing out the show, DeAndre Ayton is gone. We know that. We've talked about that plenty. We've said our goodbyes. We have diagnosed and dissected the trade. We will have one more episode actually coming up on uh, Wednesday that talks from the Portland standpoint. I did a crossover episode with Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers about the basketball side of things with both Nurkic and Aiton as well as Nasir Little. But we heard from everybody about this. I'd say generally, uh, you could look at it one of two ways. You could look at it as they were very on message and you know maybe everyone had, maybe it had been addressed how to kind of, approach this one or it's just a bunch of veterans who are smart enough to just say the right things or you could look at it as there actually is no animosity here and I kind of tend to lean toward the second one like I know people have tried to read between the lines of people like Zach you know reporters like Zach Lowe and and Adrian Wojnarowski saying different things about you know where the calls about Aiton's uh, questions about Aiton's commitment were coming from. Maybe it wasn't just Monty. Maybe it wasn't just James Jones. Well, okay. Who could it really be if you're talking about players or people still around? Well, probably Booker. Like, maybe. Maybe. I could see why not having your, your teammate on the court with you in a game six at home to try to, you know, extend the series and, and extend your chance at a championship could could rub you the wrong way. But I just still think Booker and Aiton got along fine. I don't think it was great. I'm sure Aiton drove Booker crazy just as much as he drove all of us crazy, but I I just don't think it ever got toxic. 
And so, you know, Book had mostly positive things to say. And, you know, James Jones and Matt Ishpia were a little bit more forward-looking, which I think was probably uh, intentional. But Ishpia said it was a unanimous choice to move forward on the deal that they made. They obviously targeted Nurkic, which we've talked about multiple times now, and, and why he fit. I think they reiterated a lot of that today. I would say most of it's on the offensive end. I think that they just believe in him to be a cog in a superstar-driven offense more than they did with Aiton, and that's fine. We'll see how it works. Um, but I think the messaging was what you would expect and, and not a surprise. The part that was a little bit more of a surprise or more interesting, Booker said that he shook Aiton's hand the moment after everybody was informed about the trade, meaning... DeAndre Ayton had been around this team. DeAndre Ayton had been in the practice facility around his new teammates, getting ready for the season along with everybody else. It sounds like Booker's story aligns with, with Ayton's. And Ayton said to Trailblazers Media, he said that he found out that it was going to be Portland the day of, um, which also aligns with what we talked about Monday as far as the Woj article about the timing of all of this, where the Suns had to stay pretty secretive about everything. And they didn't know the full details of the trade until Milwaukee finally said yes. And so I I think, it, I do believe that Aiton didn't know fully who it was going to be, but I do think he probably had an idea because the other somewhat, I guess you could say bombshell, I don't know if it matters enough to be called a bombshell, but Aiton also shared that he, 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 the way he referenced it was, I wish I had the exact wording because it is important, but he basically alluded to the fact that James Jones, like, did what Aiton had asked him to do. He didn't go so far as to say, I requested a trade, demanded a trade, had been promised I would be traded, any of that stuff. But what my read on the situation is, is that Aiton likely, based on the fact that he wasn't negative or upset today, I'm just going to speculate that Aiton was keyed into the fact that he may be traded maybe as early as the beginning of the offseason, but I would guess definitely after the Beal trade. He was in rumors at the draft. My assumption is he was aware of that. And maybe as the season neared, both sides, everybody involved, just had to make peace with the fact that Aiton may have to come back. Because what are you going to do? But I think the Suns knew, and I wouldn't be surprised if Aiton was given some sort of indication, as I explained on this podcast, that if the Suns were going to make this trade, it likely needed to be during the season or now, needed to be before next offseason, and that if this Lillard thing was going to come to pass, which everybody expected that it would, they logically should get involved with that. And so I think even if you didn't know it was going to be Portland that you were going to, or you didn't know this from the Sun standpoint, who the third team was going to be, it wouldn't surprise me if the Sun said, hey, we are in talks to get involved with one of these big trades, you know, maybe they didn't even say it was a Lillard one because the Harden thing is out there too. And there is a chance you might be moved. We will tell you as much as we can, but for now, that's kind of all we can give away. 
you know, and it, you're not an idiot. You know the Blazers need a center, and the Bucks don't, the Heat don't, right? Like, whatever. So the Nets don't. Like, so, okay, probably going to be the Blazers, you know, or I'm getting dumped on a third team, which that's always a possibility. And I think that Aiton, like, probably just showed up to camp and or, or you know, the facility and early pre-camp workouts just knowing, like, yeah, it's it's up in the air. But he said that he appreciated the way that James Jones handled it. And that that's part of where I'm coming from here, that I do think that there was an open line of communication. He said that he was pulled up to Jones's office the day that the trade went down and was notified of what was going on. Booker filled in the rest of the story from there that, you know, Aiton kind of came down, dapped everybody up, you know, whatever kind of moment that everybody had. And that was it from there. And so kind of have a hard time having a problem with any angle of that. You know, and like there will be jokes and I'll make them too of, of Aiton and, and whatever's going to happen in Portland. And I do wish him the best, but he is a, he is a goofball in all the ways we know. It, but from a son standpoint, like sounds like they did right by him professionally and personally. He's going to have a good opportunity there. And they did a trade that they liked. Okay. So again, close the book. Basketball starts in a week. Let's see who made the better call. Does Aiton blow up? Does he finally put it all together? Well, we'll see. Does the Suns wanting Nurkic, wanting Grayson Allen, seeing something in Nasir Little, does that turn out to be a, a, a genius, a stroke of genius? Maybe. We'll see. I'm excited to find out. All right, that'll wrap us up. We'll have more on breaking down Yusuf Nurkic's game with Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers for Wednesday's episode. I may or may not do that as a bonus one, depending on if I'm able to get to training camp or if there's any interesting quotes and things from that first day of camp on Tuesday. We'll see what the timing looks like there. Either way, more episodes to come. You know the drill. Monday through Friday, plus more. Hit follow, hit subscribe if you have not done so already. We're free and available everywhere. Get excited. Get excited. I'll talk to you tomorrow.